0: اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى اله واصحابه وازواجه وذريته واهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان الى يوم الدين وبعد الحمد لله وي فيتش هذا مبارك 19th night of Ramadan Allah سبحانه وتعالى Make us from the utaqah of this night. Allah Ta'ala give us from the rahmat and barakat of this night. Make sure that you have some weird or another that you're doing. Uh, This is what I was talking to my children about today. They said, Baba, what's a weird? I said, it's some amount of dhikr or dua or recitation of Quran or good deed that you do every day, that you make sure you get done every day. And it's not fixed like salat. So you can do it while walking around, you can do part of it now, you can do part of it later. It can be something like reading a particular surah or set of surahs or saying a particular dhikr so many amount of times. Uh, you can have a sibha with you or you can do it on your fingers. Or you do however you want to between things while waiting for things. Your weird is on top of your farther prayers. Uh, all of them, they mesh together to form like a net all of your different acts of worship, so that on Mubarak times like Ramadan and like Jumu'ah and like after the prayers and like the time of the Salatul Eid and the uh, hour of prayers being answered on Friday and like the sacred months and like the day of Arafat or when somebody does a good deed, whether it's you, yourself, or somebody in your vicinity, when you're in the holy places, uh, a number of times that the... Kitab and Sunnah tell us that the fadl and mercy of Allah Ta'ala has come down. uh, That uh, your net is there and you can catch some of it. That you don't pass by uh, those things heedless. Otherwise, there are many people who... uh, They're completely oblivious to the gifts of Allah Ta'ala that descend from that realm uh, by day and by night. And uh, upon... Certain people and at certain times and in certain places, and uh, they 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 don't benefit at all. So don't be from amongst them. And say, My Lord, forgive and have mercy, and you are the best of those who have mercy. Somewhat in line with the topic of the. Life of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq and Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhum wa anhuma wa anis Sahabati ajma'een. We have this idea of not being shaken and not wavering when you know what's right. One thing is you don't know, there's a chance you don't know, then it's fine to second guess and uh, you know, hold back until you do something and make sure you know that you know what you're doing is what's to be done. But sometimes you know what's right. And you know what's wrong. And it's just a matter of doing it or not doing it. And the exemplary quality of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq, uh, anhu, and, and then after him Sayyidina Abu Umar ibn al-Khattab, ta'ala, anhu, in, in being firm in those things and not wavering in front of people, that we read in the Tarawih that, uh, that I'm, I'm attending in my uh, local masjid, uh, the Surah An-Kabut, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, he says in, in, in this surah, he says, from amongst people, there are those who say we've believed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, if that person is harmed when doing something for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, or doing something on the way to Allah Ta'ala in his path and in his journey to Allah Ta'ala, he wavers and he buckles and he feels fear in his heart and he protects himself and he scrambles to take cover from people's harm, from the stupidity of their tongues or from the fear of their actions or from the harm and the hurt of their actions. As if what they do is anything compared to what the torment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. Uh, Now, of course, you know, I'm not going to lie. It sucks when people say bad things about you to your face and behind your back. When people treat you like less. When people mock you. When people don't take you seriously. When people don't treat you like a human being. uh, uh, When people take stuff from you and don't give you your due and don't give you a right and don't give you respect and pass you over for, for nice things. All of that sucks. Like nobody likes that. But the idea is that if you are from the people who say, billah" that we've believed in Allah Ta'ala, then you have to have this aqidah inside of your heart that what comes from Allah is greater than what comes from people. And the harm that might come from Allah Ta'ala if you cross him is far greater than the harm that comes from people that you should keep your focus on Allah Ta'ala and that should govern how you deal with people rather than people saying something and then, you know, people then will, they'll they'll even mess with their deen. They'll say, oh, well, you know, don't do this because it's bad for da'wah or don't do this because, you know, like Allah made the deen easy and this and that. Okay, Allah Ta'ala made the deen easy. Nobody said you have to, you know, stand in the blazing hot sun with like a 20 pound boulder uh, held over your head for the entire fast, right? Don't do that. That's just dumb. You don't get any more reward for that. You know, go about your normal day and fast. But uh, this idea that like, oh, people are going to make fun of me and say something bad about it. So for that reason, I'm just going to contravene or or weasel out of doing what Allah Ta'ala commanded me to do. Or I'm going to do the thing that Allah forbade me from doing and just like tell myself somehow it's good. It's not good. It's not a good thing. Allah Taala says, uh, He says that they say that they believe in Allah Taala, but then when they have to suffer from people's harm, the harm of their, you know, talking smack about you, or the the harm of their actions and of their words, جَعَلَ فِتْنَةَ النَّاسِ كَعَذَابِ الله, that they make the, uh, they 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 make out inside of their hearts and they revere and they worship the difficulties they. F- Face from people as if it's the same thing as uh, the torment of God Himself. in inna kunna and then those same very same people they'll write it both ways so that when. The deen is ascendant, they'll say, oh, look, we were always Muslims the whole time. You know, we were always, and then maybe legally they were always Muslims the whole time. But when it's time to do something for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, for the community, for the ummah, for the poor, for the orphans, for the masjid, for the ulama, for the ilm, for the anything having to do with the deen, um, they will use every excuse to weasel out. And then when you're successful, they show up with their like sleeves rolled up and say, oh man, we did a good job, didn't we guys? Um uh uh, uh, uh Allah Ta'ala then asks, well, uh, don't you think that Allah Ta'ala knows best and knows more about that thing which is in the, the chests of uh, all uh, all uh, that reside within the worlds. <laughs> that indeed and that Allah Ta'ala indeed knows those who believe and Allah Ta'ala indeed knows those who are munafiqeen, those people are hypocrites who outwardly profess faith and inwardly um, they've disbelieved. And, uh, you know, these are tendencies and these are tracks. Some people pass through these tendencies and through these tracks without even being conscious of it, of them. And the thing is, my point is not to say, I'm a munafiq, or are a munafiq. Inshallah, none of us are munafiqeen. Inshallah, all of us are people of iman. But again, like Sayyidina Umar ta'ala, anhu asked Hudayfat ibn al-Yaman, like how ludicrous is that? This is Umar who Rasul Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in public promised Jannah so many times. But he still feared. And this is why Allah Ta'ala promised in Jannah because he always feared the nifaq in his heart that he's not you know, doing things or keeping the habits or the tendencies of the munafiqin and they not drag him uh, at his last moment down the wrong path. Um, he always was afraid of that. And we should always be afraid of that. And we should examine the things that we do, the excuses that we make, and the the the, the shortcuts that we take when nobody else sees, but Allah sees. Um, we we you know we have to be afraid of those things, and uh, you know look over ourselves. You know rather than me saying you're monafic or you saying I'm That's there's no point to that. There's no benefit in that. Right. But we ourselves examine these things because nobody else. That's the fun thing about uh, Tasawwuf, mashallah. my friend Adam from college, he said, it's like a boot camp, but you're your own drill sergeant. You know, you're the harshest person against yourself. You can be harsher against yourself than any drill sergeant or teacher or murshid or sheikh can be. And uh, when you realize what the stakes are, you are you are harder on yourself than than any of those people because you know that in being soft on yourself you will be the loser not anybody else and you know in rectifying and straightening out your affairs no one will gain anything except for you and what you'll gain will be unlike anything uh, that can be gained from the life of this world and so you know you know let's look and see you know how much is it that we allow other people to dictate you know what we're going to do you know to remind me of a piece of wisdom that you heard from your mother so many times. If everybody lined up to jump off a bridge, would you, you know, line up to jump off a bridge as well? The answer is hell no. And this is, I mean, this is a real thing. As ludicrous and as silly as it sounds, it's a real thing. Uh, uh, Ibn al-Athir uh, you know, he wrote about you know the, he was in Baghdad. He was one of the few people survived the Hulegu's, like destruction of Baghdad. Um, it was such a savage and wild destruction. It was so much blood spilled that uh, you know they they sarcastically his name is written in Arabic and in Persian as Halaku, even though Halaku is not his name. Um, but Halak in Arabic means like destruction and death. And so they just they literally call him Halaku because of because of that. He's one of the few people who survived his sacking of Baghdad, and um, he said like there were like one Mongol soldier in like a line of fifty people that each of them had to kill. That's how that's how outnumbered they were, and the people just pliantly like sheep waited their turn while the Mo- Mongol came to one and killed killed him, and then the next one he knifed him, the next one he knifed. He had to kill him one by one like a butcher in a in, in a in a slaughterhouse, and so you know he looked at the guy next to him and said. you know like with their eyes they just like basically made ishara toward each other like what would happen if we just ran away from this line because like every mongol has like 50 other dudes they have to kill uh, 50 other people they have to kill what if we just ran away what would happen so like well what's the what's the harm in seeing because there's nothing else going to happen like you know for you anyway so they just ran away and the mongols were too busy killing everybody else that they uh you know they they couldn't do anything they have time to do they don't have the resources to do anything and you know what Out of those 50 people, I'd rather be the two people who ran away rather than the 48 that stood in line to be killed. And this TikTok, it's killing its 50 people. And this uh, soft and optional approach to deen, it's killing its 50 people. And this uh, soft and dawah approach uh, where you run away from every act of ibadah in which you show your slavehood to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and sacrifice something for his sake in favor of just you know, running Islam—that's some sort of like PR campaign or political party—that's um, killing its 50 people, eating, overeating, uh, eating and drinking haram, uh, drugs, alcohol, all of these things. You know, zina—the zina of uh, legal zina and the zina of the eyes and the zina of the ears—and all of these—they're they're, they're all killing their their 50 people. Like, why would you want to like just stand around in line, just to wait till your turn to be destroyed? Um, the fitna of people is nothing compared to the fitna of Allah. It's fine. What if your stupid relatives or stupid people in your masjid or in your school or in your workplace or like in your like neighborhood or whatever? What if they say, oh, look, this guy's a Sufi now. He's a Dervish now. Look at him. He's a big mullah. He's a big mutawah. He has a big beard and like, you know, he's a big whatever. He's, you know, ISIS and Phrysis and, uh, 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 you know, Al-Qaeda and Osama and Saddam and God knows whatever stupid names dumb people call you know dumb people will call you in order to wrongly associate the one who loves Allah and his rasul sallallahu uh, with people who may even be criminals uh, who cares what they say uh, you know who cares i mean what 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 does it cost me that somebody else may have been created by allah ta'ala only to be a donkey to carry my sins for me on the day of judgment i don't care and neither should you uh, so so don't be those 48 be those two who run away and and, and, and are spared and live a life uh, and be alive May Allah Ta'ala give you life And may Allah Ta'ala give me life So to continue with tonight's majlis uh, About Sayyidina Umar ibn khattab Radhiya Ta'ala anhu uh, With regards to his passing uh, Hazrat Shaykh Zakaria Rahimahullah Ta'ala writes The Majusi The magian fire worshipper Abu Lu'lu' Had attacked Sayyidina Umar Radhiya Ta'ala anhu In the Fajr prayer The wound was fatal so, there's a story behind this that uh, Hazrat Sheikh Zakaria didn't mention for the sake of brevity, but uh, it's also a testament to the justice of Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu that Abu Lulu was like a military engineer in the Imperial Persian Army and uh, they were captured in battle and uh, enslaved. Uh, slavery is different in Islam than it is in the American South or than it was in the American South or than it is in the Constitution to this date, even though it's. Uh, Abrogated uh, uh, in its practice It's different There is no slavery by race in Islam Nor is this idea that one race is superior to another uh, inherently um, Nor is this idea there in Islam And in fact, I would go to the point to, to say that it's actually kufr to believe that Yes, certain uh, aqwam, certain nations have honors Allah has bestowed upon them But they are not in the uh, in the basic humanity of a person but uh, they are uh, they're ancillary to what makes you a human being. Uh, after that, rather slavery was in the ancient world, and it was in Islam a way of dealing with war captives, uh, with hostile war captives. That uh, war captives were either executed, or they were ransomed, or they were freed, or they were enslaved. And uh, uh, it's basically a way of like jailing, giving people like life sentences uh, uh, from war captives. And there are actually many. Noteworthy things in Islam about the way that it uh, uh, limited and uh, moderated the institution of slavery, which was practiced in the ancient world by uh, you know practices um, that actually led to enslaved people becoming full-fledged members of society in all classes, including the elite classes. Uh, in a way that never really happened here uh, even in the united states after hundreds of years within a generation or two so you see that uh, Abdurrahman al-dakhil um, the great umawi uh, 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 khalifa who ruled over andalus uh, uh, and his rival uh, uh, um, al Abbasid uh, uh, abu mansur uh, uh, um, sorry al-mansur uh, the uh, Abbasid khalifa that both of them are full-blooded Quraishi Arabs from their father's side, but matrilineally, they're both um, African uh, uh, slaves. A number of the imams of the Ahlul Bayt are also from their uh, mother's side. Uh, They are uh, black Africans uh, as well, uh, while being uh, from the elite uh, of nobility within the the empire. So, Abu Lu'lu is a slave. He was an imperial Persian military uh, engineer. So a man of relatively elite rank, um, and he's a slave. He's obviously, uh, unlike some of the other slaves, he was not enchanted by Islam, nor did he have good feeling toward Islam. His, uh, uh, he fell to the lot of Al-Mughirah ibn Shu'ba, ta'ala anhu. And uh, what Al-Mughirah did with uh, uh, this Abu Lu'lu' is that he contracted out his services to people. Because he was a military engineer, he knew how to make windmills. So he contracted out his services as a maker of windmills uh, to people. And then they had a profit-sharing agreement that whatever they pay, you get to keep part of the money and I get to keep part of the money. And uh, so Abu Lutlu, his service became popular and people had him basically design them and uh, uh, basically be the foreman to construct windmills for them in Medina Munawura. And, uh, you know, it was the best technology that was there at the time. And the Persians are not a joke. They have an ancient civilization um, that was advanced in science and technology uh, with compared to the rest of the world. Uh, Europeans, many of the things they appropriated and pretend like Greek people invented. The Greeks were uh, distant relatives of the Persians, uh, all of them being uh, Indo-European-speaking people. And they looked toward them for civilization and uh, they looked toward them for learning. And as is a sickness that the people of parts of Europe have to this day, they never attributed what they learned from, you know, what they learned to the ones that they learned it from. Rather, they pretend like they invented it themselves. Uh, And this sickness manifests itself in stupid uh, incidents where you can read in a history book that, you know, Christopher Columbus discovered a a continent where millions of people already live. Um, But at any rate... (laughs) from the time of the hymenid first persian empire in like way old antiquity um they had an advanced enough understanding of mathematics and of um, technology that they could drill from two sides of a mountain they could drill a tunnel in solid rock and uh from both sides and the the two sides of the mountain would meet each other And you have to have a remarkable amount of precision in order to do something like that and a very good uh, understanding of of trigonometry and of geometry in order to do, um, and of geography in order to do something like that, topography in order to do something like that. Because if left, right, up, down, if you miss uh, or direction wise, if you miss even like a fraction of a degree um, digging that tunnel. Uh, if you the two sides of it miss each other through solid rock, you'll never even know. You'll never even know where you passed each other. And uh, however, they had this technology that allowed them to dig tunnels in half the time it would take if you were only digging in one direction. Uh, and so, you know, Abu Lutlu ostensibly is the heir of this uh, fine tradition of Persian uh, learning, mathematics, engineering, science, technology. And so, after a while, his 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 windmills became popular, and he was disgruntled with al murira ibn Shu'aba because he felt that Mughirat was taking too big of a cut, that it was unjust that he was taking such a large cut. And so uh, Abu Lu'lub raised the case to Sayyidina Amr radhiallahu anhu as a litigant uh, against his master that he's taking too much and this is not fair. And Sayyidina Amr anhu uh, basically told him, look, you know, you're a slave. You took the field of battle against the Muslims. And because of that, your sentence was that you should be uh, enslaved. And Abu Lu'lu doesn't have to give you a dime if he doesn't want to. And uh, whatever he takes and whatever he gives, that's completely at his. Like legally, it's his, um, it's his prerogative. And I'm sorry, like I can't do anything for you. And uh, in order to console, and so first of all, look at this. He's not a Muslim. And he's a slave. And he is a war captive from a hostile enemy. And still the Amiral Mu'mineen heard his case. He listened to it. He gave it protocol. And he listened to his case. And then he very kindly explained that, that he was not, you know, he's not within his rights to demand anything more than what he was already receiving. And uh, uh, Sayyidina Umar tried to console him because he saw that he's not taking this, uh, this news well. And so... Abu Lulu, uh, Abu Lutlu, uh, he saw that he's not taking the news well, so he tried to console him by saying, "You know, I've seen your windmills, and they're really nice. You know, maybe, maybe one day I'll also contract your services so that you can have a windmill made for me as well." And Abu Lulu looks at him and sarcastically says, "I'll make you such a windmill uh, uh, that uh, all of posterity will remember it." And uh, he walked away. And Sayyidina Umar's companions, they, they're like, well, maybe he took it a little bit better than we thought. Umar said, he didn't take it well at all. This thing that he said to me, this last thing, this is a threat. He's going to try to kill me. And uh, that's literally what happened. Uh, and so, uh, Sheikh Zakaria uh, he mentions about his uh, assassination that Abu Lu'lu had purchased a knife and he had that knife poisoned. And in the darkness of Fajr, because the masjid was not well lit, um, in the darkness of Fajr, he basically stabbed him while he was praying, which is a, an extremely cowardly thing to do. But, uh, you know, people, people who don't uh, fear Allah Ta'ala, then all of these things become options for them, I guess. And bombing masajid is uh, still the, uh, uh, you know, the cowardly and uh, crooked people who hate Islam. They still do this to this day. Um, attacking people in their salat and attacking people in their places of worship. Uh, Hazrat Shaykh Zakaria Rahimullah ta'ala says, The wound was fatal. Although blood flowed unabated, he would occasionally lapse into unconsciousness. He would perform salat in the very condition when the time for the salat was announced. And he said, while in this state, he who abandons uh, salat has no share in Islam. So this is your sheikh of Tariqah, What he's saying is that he who abandons the salat has no share in Islam. It's mentioned that uh, he he tried his utmost while bleeding profusely to hold his blood back from uh, from defiling and befouling the masjid um, because blood that comes out of the body is najis and the masjid should not be smeared in najis. That this was a concern of his, um, and it's said that. Uh, 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 it said that he 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 was just you know stabbed really badly on the 1st of muharram uh, in the 24th year of hijra uh umar anhu crossed the frontiers of this earthly abode at the time of his passing his head was resting on the thigh of his son uh, abdullah ibn umar anhu in these last moments he said put my head on the ground although his son said there was nothing wrong with having his head in his uh, on his lap uh, Sayyidina Umar insisted that he be put on the ground after this was done. Uh, he said, if my Lord has no mercy on me, then I'm destroyed. Uh, Sayyidina Suhaib al-Rumi, uh, uh, radiAllahu ta'ala anhu, led the janazah prayer and he was buried alongside Sayyidina Abu Bakr siddiq anhu. His khilafah was for a period of 10 years, 6 months and 5 days. It's also worthy of noting that uh, he was also 63 years old when he passed the same age that the Rasul sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and Sayyidina Abu Bakr after him radhiallahu anhu passed, um, it said that he was such a strong man that despite the wounds being so deep, uh, he persisted for some time after being stabbed. And uh, Sayyidina Ab- Abdullah bin Umar عنه, noted that I thought he was going to get better actually. Uh, but then when we brought some milk for him to drink, um, and he drank the milk, and then I saw it flowing out of his wounds. Then I realized his wounds were so deep; there's no way that they're gonna, they're gonna heal. And it's just because of just the raw strength of his uh, being that he was able to survive for so long. Uh, otherwise, such wounds would have killed another man. May Allah subhanahu wa taala have mercy on him. May Allah subhanahu wa taala be pleased with him. May Allah subhanahu wa taala raise his rank. May Allah subhanahu wa taala give us to follow his example. May Allah taala allow us to be from those who. Feel this and feel this humility with Allah and remember uh, so intensely and so fervently and so emphatically um, the day that we are going to meet Him and our dire need for being connected with that rahmah and with that mercy uh, so much so that it excites us and it motivates us to turn away uh, from those things uh, of this world for which people kill one another and for which people. Uh, have dreams and desires and chat and take pictures and cut themselves off from their parents and from their children and from their spouses and from their relatives and from their loved ones that uh, may our love for the meeting of Allah Ta'ala also make us lose interest in those things. Uh, so that uh, we may be better people and we may receive something better both in this world and the hereafter.